Welcome to Mox on the Mic, your exclusive look into all things Chattanooga athletics. Here's your host, Chris Goforth. Welcome in this week to Mox on the Mic. I'm Chris Goforth. Glad to have you along with us this week as we take a deep dive into Chattanooga athletics. Brought to you, as always, by Smart Bank. We've got a great show lined up today. We're going to visit with the GOAT of Chattanooga women's basketball, the greatest of all time. Regina Kirk will be with us. She pretty much owns every single offensive record from career points to most points scored in a game. She was a tremendous rebounder during her time with the Mocs and or, or Lady Mocs as they were known back then. So she's going to be with us. Uh, looking forward to catching up with Regina. Also, we'll visit with Sharon Fanning, who guided the Mocs during the kind of the early years of Chattanooga basketball. She wasn't the first head coach in women's basketball at Chattanooga, but she was the one that really kind of put Chattanooga women's basketball on the map. And then, of course, she went on and had uh, success later on coaching in the SEC uh, as well. So looking forward to visiting with Sharon Fanning coming up a little bit later on. We'll talk a little bit of women's basketball today. And I got to tell you, both of these interviews, by the way, were recorded like back in, I don't know, June, July, like it was hot when we recorded these interviews. Uh, and then here we are today. You're you're finally getting to hear them in, in December. We're recording this, and it's about 39 degrees outside. So uh, it's, it's taken us a little while. We've kind of had this one in the can for a bit, but we're glad we could bring it to you here as uh, we get a chance to talk with both Regina Kirk and Sharon Fanning. Now, we do want to kick it off this week, though, with a, a quick conversation with Chattanooga's vice chancellor and director of athletics and Mark Wharton. Mark joined us to talk a little bit about the amazing success that the Chattanooga mocks are having, not just on the court and on the field, but also in the classroom. Here's our conversation with Chattanooga vice chancellor for athletics, Mark Wharton. Well, some big news uh, recently around the Chattanooga Mocs, and it involves uh, graduation rates for uh, for student-athletes. They've hit 90%, uh, quite an accomplishment. Mark Wharton, he is the vice chancellor and the director of athletics for UTC, and he's kind enough to uh, spend a few minutes with us to talk a little, a little bit about this. And, you know, Mark, back when everything was shut down and everybody was sent home, and we were spending time talking to student athletes on this podcast. We always asked, hey, what are you doing during the pandemic? You know, we took Netflix suggestions and all of that. <laughs> Apparently, they were all at home studying, though, <laughs> based on these numbers during the pandemic. 90%, that's a, uh, for an athletic department the size of, of Chattanooga, that's remarkable. It is remarkable. You know, in my, my path across all the uh, universities I've been a part of, you know, it's very, very challenging for a public school uh, like a UT Chattanooga to achieve such success. You usually you see those numbers from private schools, but, you know, we, uh, you know, commend our head coaches as well as our support staff to, you know, keep our student athletes on track. And, you know, more importantly is who we recruit. You know, we sit in mom and dad's uh, living room talking to a, a young man or woman to come to Chattanooga. And we can say that, uh, you know, they're, they're going to graduate. And uh, it's something that uh, we're really proud of. And you look at the competitive success we've had along with the graduation rate, it, it's it's a perfect recipe. And it's exactly what, you know, our jobs are is to, to get these student athletes to come here and provide them a path to graduate. And we're certainly doing that at a very high rate. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, championships are great. And I, I realize that to some, some degree, that's kind of how you guys are judged. But when you talk about setting people up for the future and what higher education and that college experience is really all about, it, it's about getting that diploma for these guys. And, and that's something that I think a lot of times gets lost. The, the, the athlete part we get, sometimes we forget about that student part of it, don't we? It is. And, you know, it's the nature of, you know, college athletics, you open the uh, sports page and you see, uh, you know, competitive success. And um, you might see in the kind of the back uh, other notes, the, these kind of accomplishments. And I think our, our department does a really good job of continuing to try to put that out 
whether it's you know graduation success rate or APR, um, academic All Americans, which we've had, you know those are those are as important as wins and losses. Uh, might not be, you know, for the average fan to to do it, but you know since we released this, we've gotten emails and posts and social media uh, people all across the country that. Uh, you know, a complimentary of how we're doing it and what we're doing it and the way we're doing it. So it, it, to me, it's a personal uh, sense of pride uh, since I've come here and, and the great success that I've been a part of and uh, our staff that's really worked extremely hard to make this happen. Let's talk a little bit about how you're doing it now. Since 2012, graduation rates have jumped 40%. That's, that in and of itself is pretty remarkable. How does that happen? Well, I think back then, I think it was Rick Hart, who was the athletic director, came in and really made that a priority. And uh, we were lucky enough uh, around that time to hire Dr. Emily Blackman, who has come in and kind of put a system in place and uh, starts from really before day one. And in, in the summer, we bring our freshmen in and do a, a kind of a bridge program to get them used to finding where the dining hall is to where their classes are. And then, you know, some study fundamentals that uh, starts when they, uh, you know, get into class in August. And, you know, I give her a lot of credit and her staff. And then when we hire coaches that, uh, you know, we want them to win on the field, but it's about the student athletes in the community. And that reflects to, um, you know, academics as well as, you know, the, the important part on campus that they see our student athletes more students than they do athletes walking around with their swag on. But, uh, it's a combination of a lot of great things that I won't compromise that uh, I think we, we've got a tradition that we're setting and it's only going to get better. It's going to get harder, but it's going to get better. You know, 90% is a really good number and it's about uh, nine uh, percentage points above the FCS average. And um, that's pretty elite. Now, do you have specific goals for, for each team? Obviously, 100% is where you want to get to, and I would imagine based on the number of scholarships and the number of kids on the roster, that's maybe a little easier to accomplish in some sports as opposed to others. But talk a little bit about the expectations for, for each program and, and kind of what you have set for them. Well, each one of our head coaches is compensated on, uh, you know, uh, academic success, whether it's APR, GSR, that uh, we come in uh, immediately when we hire those coaches and we want to incentivize them for getting the right kid and making sure that they're not compromised uh, solely on wins and losses about how they get a kid. They might be great athletically, but a challenge. And um, we do have some of those that are uh, come to me and then I take to the chancellor about uh, some circumstance, you know, in their life that um, they might not have um, had the opportunity to develop study habits that uh, we help. And that's part of uh, the wonderful things you see these student athletes walk across the stage and all of them's got a story, you know, some of them are um, more challenging before they got here that you see how they've grown. But uh, it's an expectation that we put on our, our coaches and also our, our student athletes and you know, again, it really starts with the first day they walk on this campus and, and what habits we, we try to develop in them. The, uh, the graduation success rate, the GSR, you mentioned it just a minute ago. I think a lot of folks have a, an understanding of, of what the APR is um, because we've, we've been through that before. But a little bit about the, the GSR and the graduation success rate, can you kind of explain what all the factors are that go into that? Well, it basically starts when uh, uh, this uh, GSR starts in 2013. It tracks when you come in as a freshman or if someone transfers in in between that time over a five-year period. And um, it tracks, you know, from the day to get here and within that five-year period, they graduate. So, I mean, that there's some other factors involved, but that's basically it, how they travel uh, through being a freshman, through when they walk across that stage. Um, and who comes in, the numbers that come in, and the numbers we graduate. So, Mark, congratulations. I know you, you've got a lot going on right now with uh, the way things are in college athletics, so uh, we'll let you get back to it, but thanks for spending some time with us. Absolutely. Great seeing you, Chris. All 
I appreciate Mark giving us some time. By the way, I have requested that we get Mark for about a full 30 to 45 minutes on Mox on the Mic so we can get into, look, I, I can't imagine what the last couple of months for him uh, has been like uh, with everything that has gone on from from dealing with the, the pandemic and just how in flux everything seems to have been, not just around Chattanooga, but heck, around college athletics in general. So we've put in our request, and we hope to be able to sit down again with him and get into some other stuff. I want to talk a little bit about that upcoming football season and and whether or not we're, we're going to have eight games and whether he thinks that's really going to happen or not. We're going to get into all of that uh, with Mark Wharton coming up later on. Now, let's turn our attention to what we originally thought we would be focused on today, and that is women's basketball basketball and the proud, rich heritage and tradition of women's basketball that we have at Chattanooga. Let's start with the lady that basically put it on the map. It's Sharon Fanning, former head coach at Chattanooga, had a remarkable run here and then went on and had a tremendous career uh, in the Southeastern Conference. And really, you talk about one of the legends in the game, not just a Chattanooga legend, but I mean one of the legends in the game of women's basketball. That's Sharon Fanning, and we're so happy she could spend some time with us here on Mox on the Mic. Coach, I know you you played at Chattanooga. You were a part of one of those first couple of teams, right? You know, I remember as a senior in high school, uh, it was my first college game to see, and we went to UTC. And they were playing Rover at the time. And so then my freshman year, that's the first five-on-five women's game that I had ever seen was the one I played in. So that was my freshman year uh, in the fall of 71 and played for the three, played three years there. My junior year, we didn't have a team. So freshman and sophomore year, but had the volleyball the four years. Um, uh, The transition came, Grace Keith uh, came in as uh, she was part-time at the time, my senior year. The first two years, it was still through physical education. I think our budget was about 500 bucks. And, you know, you, you bought everything except the shirt they gave you. And uh, but anyways, that was the first two years. And Sis Morgan in physical education, she coached the team those two years. Um, and then it's just grown from from there. 1976 was your first season as a head coach. First off, how did you get into coaching? What was the path for you from player to coach? I thought through health and physical education and recreation, appropriate way to say it at the time, you know, is um, I was going to teach and I had an opportunity to either teach. And in fact, Notre Dame High School, uh, Coach Pfeiffer was there at the time and we discussed that. But there was an opportunity to go to grad school and um, that would have been at Tennessee, Memphis or down at LSU. And um, I went to Tennessee, of course, and Pat, we were both in grad school at the time and teaching physical education classes. And um, then I I was an assistant to her that one year in grad school. And then sort of the Title IX, I guess, kicked in around that 76 time. And that's when they hired a full-time coach at UTC. And I was just blessed, I guess, the right place at the right time. And to be 22 years old or so and, and be able to be a head coach was such a blessing and an opportunity. But it's been neat to see it grow from those, you know, sort of the uh, physical education contact times up through athletics and then through your conferences, you know, taking you on. So uh, it's been a journey, but that's it. It just happened when I was there and I just evolved with it, I suppose. Yeah. I was going to ask because when you started, you weren't much older than the girls that you were coaching. What was that like? It was really neat. There was so much respect there. A couple of the players that were on the team I had played with, you know, a couple of years before that. And, uh, but I knew them, some of them I'd played softball with and maybe volleyball, but, um, it was just a great group. And we had a couple of people transfer in and, uh, anyways, it was just a great group of young ladies. And actually we had one mother, Debbie Almond was her name. She was a Bradley County product, but she had had her family came back to school. She played at uh, Cleveland at the community college. And so she was a lot older than all of us. (laughs) And uh, it, it was really neat, but it was just a great group of young ladies and they love to play the game. And um, so I just grew up with them. Now, the Southern Conference didn't actually start until the 83-84 season. And we hunt has, and 
Anne has done a lot of research on this and she's told me some stuff. I, I'd like to hear it from you because before that, there was just a regular season schedule and then there were two tournaments that were unofficial. What do you remember about Southern Conference basketball in those early days and, and how did UTC do in those unofficial tournaments? Well, that, you know, we had won them and it was really, I mean, it was a great experience. We surely wanted to be a part of the Southern Conference and this is when, you know, the NCAA AIAW thing was taking place and a lot of the conferences in 82 is when we went with the NCAA. But uh, with the Southern Conference, as you said, I guess it was the next year that they fully embraced it and recognized it. But we had won three unofficial tournaments, to my record, you know, recollection from it um, at, during that time. And I can't remember, actually, I have, you know, a very, very small little plaque from that, uh, from winning the tournament. But it was, um, even though it was unofficial, it was very official to us. And, of course, bragging rights as you were recruiting and uh, hopefully just that, I mean, that was part of the, you know, propelling it into the Southern Conference and the success that we had through the years. You know, the neat thing about Chattanooga basketball and you being a part of it is literally you got into this game at the college level, at the ground level. I mean, this was the time when things really started to swell and, and the sport began to grow. Could you have ever imagined in the 70s and, and in the early 80s that the women's game would be where it was today or where it is today? No, I, I can remember a lot of our, what you would say, I guess, our founding mothers, whether it was with the TCWSF, which was our state organization at the time, and then the AIW and then into the NCAA. But they said, hey, be careful what you wish for, you know, because we knew where the men were in the recruiting piece and all of that said you'll be there at some point if, if it goes to the NCAA. And even though there were the things that go along with that, the challenges and the demands of it or whatever, just the opportunities for women in sports and how it's grown. Um, it, I mean, it, it has really been neat to see it go from just the, through physical education into at, embraced by athletics and then the conference piece and NCAA. Uh, no, I, I don't think all of us, you know, that have been in it that long would, would really imagine and, and know where it would be today. But um, we are blessed to have been a part of that. There was a semi-pro team, though, up in Wisconsin, at Charlotte Robinson, who played for us at UTC. There was a semi-pro team in the States uh, back in probably been in the early 80s. And so even though it wasn't overseas at the time, uh, as significant as it is now, of course, and then the pro leagues weren't here in the States, uh, like the WNBA or the ABL, but there were opportunities and women, uh, you know, that the ones that were the pioneers along the way in that aspect of it got started early. And it's just been neat to see it grow. I asked Andy Landers, the former head coach at Georgia, about that one time. And, and he talked about how that I guess Georgia had played in a game on national TV. And that was kind of the moment when it hit him that, hey, I, I think we've arrived. Was there a moment for you with the women's game, whether it was one you were involved in or, or one that you you remember seeing where you thought, we're here, we've made it? Well, I, I mean, it's been a process. And so being you know, on the, the board with the WBCA and things, you know, I guess I've seen that process along the way. But I think in the mid-90s and the Tennessee-Connecticut rivalry and the Olympics in 96 – I'm thinking that during that time, I know we arrived before then and we were growing, but at that particular point, just from a media standpoint, a television standpoint, and I think men, I, I heard more people overall, especially men saying, hey, that's pretty good basketball. Not that's girls basketball, not that it's women's basketball, but that is really good basketball. And so I think the visibility from a media standpoint and the television especially that matchup from a rivalry standpoint in the Olympics. I thought that was a really big turning point for us. Who was the big rival for UTC back in the early days of the program? I think, you know, all of your conference schools. So, um, you know, whether it was going to Western or down at Furman, I mean, we were, we were competing. Appalachian State and Furman probably were the two, I guess, competing in the championship. Marshall, especially Marshall as they came into the league. Uh, but any, any of the championships that we played in, and I remember one of them that we won was at Marshall, uh, but all, so your league, 
I would just say your league in general. In 83-84, you guys won 26 games. Was that the best team that you had at, at UTC? It was. And, you know, the teams progressed. So we won a state championship. Um, and I, I still have that picture, you know, in there. And I can remember, I mean, that was huge. That was played um, maybe up at Maryville College. I'm not sure. But it was a comeback win. And um, I, I can – I mean, that was a state championship at the time. And so that was, that was huge for us then. And then, but that year probably is the best overall basketball team that we had. And we played in the finals um, and, you know, down to the wire uh, against Vanderbilt and the WNIT. It's the first time we'd ever flown on a plane. And uh, it, I mean, it was just a special year. First ranking, uh, beating a ranked team. I mean, it, it was really, really a great experience for everyone that was involved. And uh, yes, that was, that was a very, very special year. How often did you guys play in the arena in those early days after the, uh, after the arena opened? I could not tell you the number of games and I couldn't even tell you in the last couple of years. I don't, I don't remember if we played all of the games there. I just don't remember that. I bet Ann Weehunt knows though. Best memories of McClellan Jim. Oh, Big Mac, Chief Makanuga. I mean, even really men's games and the snake. I mean, just him, he could he could really do it, Chief, Chief Makanuga. Packed houses there. But we had, I remember one time we played NC State, and it was um, a New Year's Eve game. And I'm not sure if it was 2 or 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 6, whatever. We had over a couple thousand people there on a New Year's Eve. They were ranked maybe number two. And uh, I can even remember an official's call at a particular point in the game. <laughs> but uh, that, was, that was a special memory, and that was in McClellan Gym. Um, but we did have – we had, had good attendance. We grew it. Uh, we started selling season tickets. And I remember Coach Wilkes, he was telling Rosalind Crownover, who was helping, and Dr. Sindel at the time, they were helping with season tickets. And Roy Exum said, you know, you could sell ice to Eskimos and – uh, we we had a good turnout. We had a lot of people involved, and I, I guess some of the fondest memories that I have is just the people that that were around the program. And you know, Ann Weehunt talks about camps. I enjoyed the camps, but it was the people that have you know that bring back such fond memories and those who helped that program grow. Because each year it seemed as though we got better and more people got involved and appreciated and respected what we were doing. And you know, those were fun times. When you were at both Kentucky and Mississippi State, the SEC Women's Tournament was played in Chattanooga. Um, special, I know, to get a chance to come back home, but was it also a little strange for you to walk back onto that campus and, and in that building again after being gone? You know, not really. I mean, it was home. Home is always special to be there. My family was there at the time. And 2000 was a year that, you know, was very special to us because we played in the finals. Uh, of the tournament against Tennessee. And, um, you know, I lost my father that year and it, it was a difficult year, but it was also a very, very special year for us. One of our best seasons. And um, I, I can remember though, at the SEC meetings in Sandestin for years, for years, and I was in the league for 25 years and uh, in the SEC. And, but I remember from the late eighties on through that point where UTC was hosting it, it was almost, it was always unanimous that the coaches wanted to be back in Chattanooga. And it was because of the people. Uh, you know, there were host families. Uh, you had a dinner with those host families. It was a very special time and it was very personal to each of the teams. And, you know, got to a point where I'm, I'm thinking the conference wanted to grow the ticket and, you know, and sort of branch out and have it at different venues to allow other people to be exposed. But Chattanooga was a great site, even though Tennessee Vanderbilt and it was accessible, but it really was a, a good site at the time to draw everybody uh, in. Uh, you didn't have the Arkansas or A&M and, you know, Missouri, some of them in at the time in the league, and, but it was a special time. And as, as it grew, though, the conference grew, then they, they did want to branch out. But UTC is a very, very special place for all of our coaches and very much appreciated what everyone in Chattanooga did to make it such a special event for the SEC. We had Regina Kirk on a, a few months ago. How good was Regina? Just ask Regina. <laughs> <laughs> no, Regina Kirk, 
as, as a coach, you need to make sure that you just get out of their way sometime and let them play. And the main thing was getting Regina the ball. And she wanted the ball. I love, I love a player that demands the basketball. And we, we try, I think I did this as a coach, was try to figure out what everybody could do the best and put them in a position to be the best they could. And you just wanted to get Regina with her back to the bucket or maybe 10 or 12 feet out, 15 feet out, and she could face up. But if you go, if she had somebody on her back, what was amazing is that she was a smaller, you know, post player, but she shot the ball high and, and knew how to score and could put it on the floor and get around people. But she's one of the best scorers that I ever coached. And I just, I loved her enthusiasm. I love a player that's a winner and that wants the basketball and can put up the points. And so Regina Kirk is one of my favorite people ever. Now, did you coach Karen Mills as well? We did. And that's another player. You let her make plays. You know, she, when she was a junior, Nancy Lieberman was an assist, was a senior at Old Dominion. I don't know if you remember that Old Dominion team, but a national championship team, I'm thinking during that time, but Karen led the nation in assists. And that again, when you had a player like that, I saw one time in her four years, and I think she slipped maybe and Holly Wardick might've tapped the ball out when we played Tennessee. But other than that, nobody took the ball from her. And so we loved pressure because Karen could get it down and uh, make plays. And she made everybody around her better um, and just just had a knack of getting the person the ball. I can remember when we were recruiting Karen and, and Jim Smitty, he said, no, I don't know. He, she's not the biggest. And, of course, he didn't let her shoot, she'll tell you, you know, when she was in high school because she had two All-Americans to pass it to. But, uh, you know, Karen – knew how to break people down and get the ball to the right person at the right time, at the right spot. And so, again, from a coaching perspective, you need to just back off and let them make plays. You give them a general system. But Karen was a general for us and made a lot of things happen, was a part of that championship team that I told you that was a state tournament team uh, initially, and a couple of her former Bradley teammates were on that team, uh, Karen Wilson and uh, Treva White, I believe, and, but anyways, uh, it was, it, she was a great, great player and sort of like Regina. When you have players like that, then you need to make sure you don't overcoach them. Yeah, we've had Karen on with us too. Uh, could you have um, predicted a, a career in comedy for Karen Mills at that time? You know, back in the day, we used to drive the van, okay? So I would drive the van. All the kids, coming back, they'd be asleep. Well, Karen would sit up front and tell jokes. So I knew that there was potential there, but she – she kept us rolling, and then when we got to ride the bus, eventually Joe Hobbs somehow and Bob Maffitt got us a bus on our, one of our first trips. And uh, after Karen was a player, then she was an assistant, a sort of a student assistant for a year. But even on the bus, now she would sit up front, and Joe Hobbs, our bus driver, she and Joe would entertain us the whole way uh, with good jokes and stories. So uh, I know she's probably shared some of those with you, but I, I knew that there was potential there initially. Over 600 coaching wins for you. When you look back over it all now, what stands out to you the most? Maybe survival. I don't know. <laughs> Persistence. And uh, it's been neat to be able to see it grow. Um, it's been really neat to be involved with the progress that's been made. And, you know, the last stop down here for 17 years at Mississippi State and to see, you know, where that program uh, how we grew while I was coaching and then now to see them in two final fours and being able to stay here and, uh, and applaud that and support them in every way possible. Uh, it's really been neat just to see women's athletics and opportunities for our girls and women in sports grow through the years. And I'm so proud of UTC and all the championships uh, that y'all have had within the league and getting to the SEC tournament. And of course, Tennessee wins and uh, it, it's really, really, really been special. So I think it's, it's just an accumulation of the 37 years of coaching uh, that have a lot of fond memories and the pictures I have, even Ann Weehunt and camps, you know, those, uh, I, if you gave it to me, I still have it. So I do have an accumulation of things, but uh, all of them are very special memories. It's just, I've been proud to be a part of that. What have you been up to? You left coaching in 2012. How have you spent the last uh, the last few years? Um, I was blessed. I had always told the last three ADs that I had at Mississippi State, I said, if I can do anything uh, in the Bulldog Club or something when I retire, and I knew by 60, uh, when I got turned 60, that I would retire because Larry and I had gotten married. It'll be 12 years this year. 
Um, but anyways, I got to do about a year and a half with the Bulldog Club and fundraising. And that was really neat because all the boosters and the fans that you've met through the years, now you get to develop a different relationship with them. And then, of course, supporting our new coach coming in. And now Vic, Vic was here eight years and now Nikki McRae Pinson. Uh, who was a Tennessee player, one of my favorite players ever in our league, probably one of the top two or three defensive players ever to play there. And uh, she's our new head coach. But, uh, you, you know, getting to be, you know, in the booster club and support them. And our booster officers, you know, they can't – they have a full-time job and don't uh, get to, to really spend the night on the road as much. And so I help with the bus. And I guess a highlight now has been when our first Final Four, helping our bus driver, Everett, wash the bus before the game, before the team left. You know, I told him, because I remember, I remember leaving the women's Final Four and going to when our men were in the Final Four, my first year at Mississippi State, and he was at New York City. And if you can imagine this, every pickup truck from, from Startwell, Mississippi was at New York City, and he had the bus out in front of the hotel washing it. And I said, Everett, when we get to the Final Four, I said, I don't know if I'll be on a walk or what. I said, but I'm going to help you wash that bus, and you better have it there. And uh, so anyways, that, that's been a highlight since I've been out of coaching, but really just being involved in the community, our church here, and, and then, but the university and all of the activities that are, that are going on. If you go to football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, the soccer, volleyball, and everything, then it keeps you busy. But uh, it's been a blessing, and, and it always is special, though, to come home. And I've been able to come back to a football homecoming game since then. And, I, of course, through the years, I never got to do that. So that's been really neat. Dr. O'Bear getting to visit with he and Ruth and, and then so many people getting to meet your new administration. And uh, so that's been fun. It's been able to do things that I was never able to do when I was coaching. Coach, I appreciate the time. And I hope next time you're in town, next time you're at a game, you'll stop by and, uh, and say hi. I look forward to seeing you. I'll do that. Thank you, much. Thank you so much for all of you guys and all that you do. Appreciate Coach Fanning giving us some time, and hopefully we get a chance to see her soon uh, back here in the scenic city and a chance to uh, to see her at the McKenzie Arena taking in some basketball. It's time to turn our attention over. We, we talked about the lady that kind of put Chattanooga Athletics uh, or Chattanooga Women's Basketball, I should say, on the map in, in Sharon Fanning. Maybe the best player Sharon Fanning ever had is Regina Kirk. She was tremendous at UTC. She played under both Sharon Fanning and, and later for, for Craig Parrott as well. And just a fantastic uh, talent with a basketball in her hands. She's the all-time leading scorer in women's basketball at UTC. She still holds the single-game scoring record. Uh, and as you can hear, Regina, not shy at all to tell you about her days with the Chattanooga Mox. Here's Regina Kirk. Regina, I hate that you and I have never, as many years as I've been around women's basketball, and you and I have never met. But, but I am so glad you could take a minute and spend with us because we've done this podcast now. I don't know. We've been doing this a couple of months, and we haven't had the GOAT on yet. And with you, we, we get the GOAT because I don't think there's much. When you start looking at the numbers – I don't think there's a lot to uh, debate about who the greatest women's basketball player was at UTC. You're talking about number one in points, number one in rebounds, number one in career field goals, and just everything that you put into your career playing for the – at that time we called them the Lady Mocks. But I want you to go back because uh, I do want to get into some of the games and – uh, in, in some of these seasons that you were a part of, but take me back to being a senior in high school and, and why you decided Chattanooga. Okay, well, being a senior in high school um, was a big, big, big year for uh, Oak Ridge High School, the Lady Wildcats, and um, it was especially big for me because that was my senior year, of course, and I was going to have to make a choice of what college that I would attend um, as a student athlete. And I think, well, I had uh, several offers. I know Auburn was one that I can uh, really remember. And, um, and UTC was one. 
And I will say that Coach Fannin recruited me the heaviest. Coach Fannin came to my mom's house and had dinner. Coach Fannin just would show up in Oak Ridge just unexpectedly so much. And um, just because she showed most interest and told me that, hey, if you come to UTC, you're going to be a starting freshman. And I did not want to sit on nobody's bench. I wanted to be guaranteed that I was going to be on the floor playing basketball. So Coach Bannon definitely um, definitely assured me that, that's, that I would be a freshman starter. So that's why I came to UTC. Well, it didn't take you long to get acclimated to, uh, to the college game. You averaged 20 points as a freshman on a team that went on to uh, win the Southern Conference, uh, Southern Conference Tournament. Yes. Uh, at that time, it was played in, in Johnson City. Uh-huh. What do you remember about that freshman season? Is there anything for you that stands out? Um, the only thing that I can remember is um, just, I guess, really basically just coming in as a freshman and um, the workout. I mean, those workouts were just so different from what I was used to doing that Coach Fannin had us doing preseason and during the season and running so many suicides. <laughs> I'll never, ever, ever forget that. So that that was um, really, really different for me coming in as a, as a freshman. And that really stands out. How'd you like playing for Coach Fannin? I loved it. She was um she was an awesome coach, an awesome person. She taught me so many things because I had um I grew up in a single parent home and my mom worked all the time, so she didn't have a lot of time uh with me and my sister teaching us um a lot of things adequate and things of that nature. And so coach Fannin made sure that um not only did we learn things on the court but also uh, taught a lot of life lessons. Your uh, your sophomore year was basically a repeat of the first. You guys, uh, again, you win the Southern Conference. Uh, you win the Southern Conference tournament again that year. Tell me a little bit about some of your teammates, because these are a lot of names that folks that have been around women's basketball will know and will remember. Uh, Kim Weems, who... Uh, later went on and was the athletic director at Chattanooga State for a while. Yes. Uh, Kendra Bell, who's been involved in local sports still in Chattanooga for a long time, were a part of those teams. Kim Bush was an outstanding uh, player on those teams. But tell me a little bit about the makeup of those teams that you were a part of. Um, well, of course, we had a great chemistry during all of my years at UTC. And um, – working with those girls and even the ones that weren't starters or didn't get that much playing time. Um, it was great. Uh, I always talked to uh, Cindy Stewart and she, she, some of the girls that I see now, they still <laughs> talk about practicing back in the days. And she said, well, Regina, just tell them how good I made you at practice. <laughs> I didn't get much playing time, but just tell them who made you the, the better player that you were. And uh, so I get that all the time. But, yeah, every every girl that was on those teams, I mean, were great people. And uh, and I really, really enjoyed playing with them. But like I said, overall, just a great chemistry of um, basketball players that uh, came through it in the same era that I came through. The one thing that, you know, when you go back and, and you revisit those seasons, you guys had wins during your four years at UTC. You guys had wins over uh, Georgia Tech. You had wins over Vanderbilt. Um, you beat teams that we now look at and consider, you know, quote, unquote, power five or power conference teams. You guys had success against those teams. You never got the chance to play, though, in an NCAA tournament. Anyway. Any regrets from you that you didn't get a chance to to be in that in that tournament and go against those high teams? Um, well, not really. I would have liked to because, like you said, at that time we were very competitive, and I think we could have hung with a lot of those teams. Because I think even during some of those years we played Tennessee, 
and they only beat us not by many but um but i think it it, it just would have been different to well me individually as a player just to go and compete against some of those girls that went to those schools and i ended up at upc you know just to just to measure the competition and how it was how it would have been like playing against those players and um we played against I, yeah we beat vanderbilt we beat some more teams yeah and this uh, the georgia state team he when i became a senior he told me when he shook my hand he told me i'm glad you gone <laughs> he said, I'm not trying to be funny. He said, I don't mean it in a mean way. He said, but I am glad you're gone. But, um, but yeah, some of those teams, I, I would have loved to have played in the um, NCAA tournament and played against some of those teams. But I, I think we, um, the ones that we did play, like you said, like the Georgia, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee, and teams like that, I think we uh, definitely uh, made a statement playing them. 45 points against North Alabama. That's still a school record. Yeah, I still got 17 individual records still at UTC. Yes, you do, including most points ever scored in a game at 45. Do you remember that game? I do. I think it was in McClellan. I, I, I think that game was in McClellan. I don't really remember, but um, – because people think I, I love the game of basketball, and I'm gonna tell you this: when I'm out there on that floor playing, my drilling is flowing, and it's still it's still the same way. Even though I'm older, I still play senior Olympics basketball. We won the gold medal in Albuquerque in '19, uh, but um, my thing about the game of basketball is not how many points I score or rebounds. I just want to go out there and do my best, and when I feel like I've done my best. The points and stuff of that nature don't really matter. I know it's weird, but I just, I never ever think about that stuff. <laughs> if if Coach Katie came to you today and said, Regina, I need you to give me 10 minutes. I need 10 minutes to help this team out. If, if you, I know you're still playing in the Senior Olympics. Could you, could you give her 10 minutes coming off the bench one day? I could give her 10 minutes. I could give her more than 10. And I and I can make something happen. <laughs> you know, I mean, I go to a couple of the games and I say, "Hey, Bob and all the fans up there, they said they need you out there, Regina." <laughs> and I would, I would go out there and play. So tell me about your senior year. Coach Fanning leaves. Uh -huh. Greg Parent takes over as a uh, as a head coach. Uh -huh. Tell me a little bit about uh, – I know Craig Parrott well. Tell me a little bit about playing for Coach Parrott. Um, it was definitely different from playing uh, with Coach Fanning. Uh, Coach Parrott was um, – he was a little more lenient than um, Coach Fanning was. Wasn't as hardcore, but, like, hardcore to me is good. Um, but I guess I really, really did miss Coach Fanning being my coach. And um, I don't know the difference of her and Coach Parrott. I guess she was just more uh, strict uh, as far as, I guess, training. And when we practiced, you know, his practices weren't as hard as hers were. But, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in um, practicing hard and, you know, do, you know going, going hard in practice. But Coach Parrott, he he was a decent coach. I like Coach Parrott also. Any coaches that I've had at UTC, I haven't had a problem with any of them. What do you see today when you watch the women's game? Because it's changed a lot from what it was when you uh, played your last game in a in a Chattanooga uniform. Give me your thoughts on the game today and the way it's played. The game today is very very different. I don't think that those. Um, players have the heart that we had um and it's just it's just different and i think that's what it's all in the, the hard work and the heart they don't have what we had back then so that's the difference that i see they've taken the inside game out all my career points came from two pointers inside the paint and i think they've taken a lot of the inside game out of the game would you have liked to have played the game today? Would you have liked to have had that 
you know, so much of the game today is on the perimeter and the ability to shoot, uh, you know, three-pointers. Would you have liked to have had that, to be able to show off the range and step out and shoot from three a little more? No. <laughs> I'd rather stay down in the paint and, and bang down in the paint. I don't like shooting threes. I think that's too easy. <laughs> well, bring us up to date a little bit, Regina, on what you've been up to since your career with uh, with, with Chattanooga finished. Uh, you know, obviously the game today, somebody puts up the kind of numbers in the Southern Conference that you put up, mm-hmm. there would be a lot of opportunities to go play basketball now, whether that's in the WNBA or certainly a chance to go overseas or Team USA. Yeah. All of those things, those doors would be open for somebody today. Yes. What doors were open for Regina Kirk in 1988? Um, doors open for me to uh, also go overseas. So I did go play overseas for three years. I um, six months off, on six months off. I went and played uh, Sweden, Switzerland, Ireland, Portugal, and Australia. Played a whole season in Portugal and in Sweden, and I loved it, loved it, loved it. <laughs> um, it was uh, quite an experience. And um, then I came back to the States, and I began hair school. So I'm a hairstylist now. I have um, my license doing hair. And then I moved back to Chattanooga in 2000. Um, and I also have my own um, foundation, Regina Kirk Foundation, which um, is basically edifying, encouraging, and building our youth through the game of basketball. And um, and right now, um, well, since the pandemic has happened, um, my girls normally would be playing. Um, so they're not, and I've been, um, I partnered with this guy with the organization and I've been going out feeding the homeless uh for about two months now but um so that's all i've basically been doing (laughs) tell us a little more about the regina kirk foundation if folks wanted to be involved in that uh help you with with your mission and what you're trying to do um how can they how can they get in contact with you or how can they support Okay, I have a website, which is reginakirkfoundation.org. Um, they can go on there and look, but I, I'm still working on, on that part as far as getting somebody to maintain the uh, website or whatever. But I have a um, my email is utckirk45 at gmail.com. And they can also contact me via Facebook. I'm on there, Regina Kirk. The EK lead is on there and the Regina Kirk Foundation is there. And then I'm also, well, my hairstyle uh, is our unique hair. So they should be able to uh, catch me on Facebook, I'm sure, because I do a lot of um, advertising and branding there. But uh, yeah, those are a few ways that they can uh, contact me. And I also have a, a cash app, Regina L. Kirk because we've been taking up donations because I'm trying to raise money right now to get a van for my organization, um, a van and then uh, things for the homeless. Go back to playing overseas again real quick. Where were your favorite places to play? Portugal and Sweden. I loved it, loved it. In um, uh, Portugal, they had uh, nice weather year round and um, the people used to tell me, we live here a long time. You, you've you been here a short time and you know everybody. I did, I just, I after I got there and got comfortable, I just went out and just made friends, especially at the restaurants that um, they had me eating at. Those people were, were real, they treated me like royalty. It was, it was so nice, I loved it. Yes, if I had to do all over again, I wouldn't even come back to the United States. <laughs> What was the basketball like back then? What was uh, professional women's basketball in Portugal like? It was um, it was different. They weren't they weren't as rough. I think they liked the Americans because we come in there and we rough and tough, and um, uh, they play uh, I think a more laid back game of basketball than we did. And um, and I don't know. Well, I was the leading leading scorer over there also in the league that I played in. And then Ruthie Bolton, that's why I said a lot of the girls that played SEC ball, um, like her, she was over there when I was. I was 
first leading scorer and she was second leading scorer. So uh, I, I ran into her over there and it may be a few more girls. I just can't recall, but yeah, um, it, it was nice over there. And a lot of the, um, I don't know, I ran into so many American players, men too. So, but yeah, it, it was it was really, really nice. I loved it. Every country I went to, people were very, very kind and nice, good-hearted people. How often do you talk to Coach Fanning? Every now and then. We talk all the time, on a, especially during holidays. And, um, and I always make sure that I see her uh, when she come in town. Her and her husband hand makes uh, cards. They still send Christmas cards every Christmas. But her husband that she's married to, he uh, make hand makes the card. So I get a card from her every Christmas, and we still talk periodically. Regina, I appreciate you giving us some time today. It's been fun to talk a little bit about uh, your career and what you were able to uh, to accomplish. And uh, it, it's been fun to catch up. And I hope we get a chance to do this again. And I hope to see you this year at a, at a basketball game. Come find me. Thanks to Regina. That was a lot of fun today, getting a chance to talk with both Regina Kirk and Sharon Fanning. And what a great way to kick things off today, our conversation with Mark Wharton. As uh, again, it's not just about on the field or on the court for these student athletes. It's about having success in the classroom. And uh, we appreciate uh, Mark Wharton giving us some time today as well. So that's going to wrap it up for us. We want you to be with us uh, again next week here on Mox on the Mic. By the way, if you've missed an episode or you want to go back and hear some of the past episodes, they're all there. We're on all the podcast services. So wherever you download your podcast from, I'm an Apple podcast guy, but hey, wherever you find your podcast from, by all means, make sure you go back and check, uh, check out the archives uh, if you want to hear some of the other past episodes uh, as you're uh, maybe you're waiting on one of the basketball games to start. Uh, this would be a good way for you to uh, catch up on what's happened in the past with Chattanooga Athletics. And certainly we are more than happy to bring you more of these mocks on the mics in the future, courtesy of our friends at SmartBank. It's going to wrap it up for us. We'll look forward to seeing you back here again next time. For our producer, Tate Johnson, I'm Chris Goforth saying so long, everybody, and go Mox. Thanks for listening to Mox on the Mic. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and review. And we'll see you again soon.